sadness from wherever you've been come brokenhearted let rescue begin come find your mercy oh sinner come kneel earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal so lay down your burdens lay down your shame all who are broken lift up your face oh sit at the table come taste the grace there's rest for the weary rest that endures earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure so lay down your burdens lay down your shame all who are up your face, oh wanderer, come home, you're not too far, so lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are, come as you are. Bibles, I'd ask you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 6, beginning in verse 24. In this passage of Scripture, we're going to see uh, several things about dealing with anxiety, how to overcome anxiety, and we're going to look at that and, uh, and try to work, work through it. So Matthew, chapter 6, beginning in verse 24, it says this, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. 
Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much, more, much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the, for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the day and thank you for your many blessings. Lord, today we pray earnestly that you would help us through all of this trouble that we have with the virus and the having to be home and not being able to work and all of those things, all those anxieties. Lord, we pray that you'll take those from us and that we'll be uh, replenished and filled in the new man. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit that, that you give us and the spirit to overcome the fear and dread of this world. I'm going to give you all the praise and the glory today. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. This morning we're going to begin here in uh, chapter 6 of Matthew, and we're going to deal with overcoming or defeating the attitude of anxiety. One of the struggles that we have currently in this life is, is all of the things that cause us to worry and cause us all these problems. So we need Scripture to help us. I'm reminded of... Uh, <clears throat> A, a poll that was taken several years ago, and it says that the average person's anxiety is focused on these things. 40% of things that will never happen. 30% of things about the past that can't be changed. 12% of things of criticism by others, and those are mostly untrue. 10% about health, which gets worse with the stress. And 8% about real problems that will be faced. Our source of our anxiety has to be measured. And if we can't keep it measured, we're going we're gonna to stay worried and consumed with it all the time. Uh, there was a saying back uh, several years ago that why worry when you can trust? It's like rocking a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but didn't get, doesn't get you anywhere. Every, uh, Mary C. Crowley says, every uh, evening I turn worries over to God. He's going to be up all night anyway. Right? And that's how our view needs to be about worry. Worry is a struggle for everyone, uh, whether you're a, a pastor of a church uh, or you're uh, you know, working uh, down the street at the local stores. It doesn't matter. It, it comes to everyone. We're worried about the virus. We're worried about our families. We're worried about the country. Worry, worry, worry is all we seem to be about. Hudson Taylor, the missionary to China and the founder of what's today known as the Overseas Missionary Fellowship, gave this excellent advice. Let us give up our work, our plans, ourselves, our lives, our loved ones, our influence, our all right in to God's hand. And then all we have to give all over to him. There will be nothing left for us to be troubled about. 
our real struggle seems to be found in not releasing the worry. So I'm going to give you a couple of other things here. Uh, this was uh, by Charles Mayo, the founder of the Mayo Clinic. He says, worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, and the whole nervous system. I've never known a man to die from overwork, but I have known a lot of who have died of worry. Our world is troublesome enough, but how can we overcome it? Well, let's go drive right into Scripture about why worry is first wrong. Take a look in our passage. Here's what it says. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. <coughs> there is no way in which we can uh, give it over to God and hold on to worry at the same time. It can't happen. It's got to be one of those things where we have to give it over completely. So unless you're willing to give it over, it's not going to be of any use to you to hang on to it. We've got to, we've got to quit hanging on to this worry. We need to realize a couple of things first. First, the Lord owns everything. It's all His. This whole world in which we live belongs to Him. Psalms 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. The struggle for us is the realization of who we belong to and what He owns in that. We belong not to the world, but to God who owns the world. That's our struggle to, to, to let God have His things again. Another scripture that comes to mind here is 1 Chronicles 29, 11. says, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is Thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and Thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all, and in thy hand is power and might, and in thy hand is to make great and to give strength unto all. That's scripture for us. That's our God whom we serve. The Lord owns everything. Second of all, the Lord not only owns it, He controls it all. And in His control, we find this. Listen to Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are yet not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. That's who, that's who we serve. We serve a God who controls everything and who owns everything. And thirdly, the Lord who provides everything. Isaiah 45 in that same passage says, I'm the Lord, there is none else. There is no God besides me. I girded thee, thou hast not known me, uh, th though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Drop down, ye heavens, from above and let your skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open and let them bring forth salvation and let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. God is in control. And if we can't let this coronavirus, we can't let even the government come in and say that they're in control. The only one that's in control is God. And that is where we struggle as people. But as the people of faith, we have confidence and assurance of whom we have believed, right? So point number two, worry is wrong because of who our Father is. Now, in the first part, we learned about what He can do and what He is doing. 
The second part here is about who he is as our father. The struggle for most fathers and and families is providing, providing for food, for clothing, for all of our essential needs. We can't worry about food. In our passage, it says this, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for the body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? You see, the scripture tells us specifically, if we're in Christ, we're not to worry about those things. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, those who've been born again by the Spirit of our God, have confidence in His trustworthiness that He will provide. It's always a struggle. I love, uh, uh, listen to this. This is, uh, remember the, the thing we talked about here uh, with uh, Hudson Taylor. He said, let us give up our work, our plans, our lives, ourselves, our loved ones, everything. Give it all up so that we might understand and, and trust God more. You can't have faith on one side and worrying on the other and choose to worry and have faith. It can't happen. It won't happen. You need to isolate that and push worry aside and let God do what he's going to do. I love, uh, uh, I love how, how we worry about food and everything around us. Listen to Paul the Apostle talk about his needs. He's in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, it says this, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, now, uh, that now at your last care of me had flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed to be both full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, notwithstanding you have done well that you did communicate with my affliction. See, the Apostle Paul was dependent upon the churches to meet his needs And when there was a need that arose, God abounded to him and gave him what he needed. And when there there was a time when he suffered, he suffered it graciously, knowing that the Lord was in control of it all. We worry, and if we're not careful, we'll let worry consume us. Now, the other part of this is how long do we live and and all these little pieces that we worry about. We worry about food. We worry about clothing. God says, I'll take care of that. You focus on something else. You remember our passage. It says this. Listen to it. Um, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But there is a prerequisite. If God is going to add to it, there is a need for you to go out and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then he adds. Our problem is, is we want him to add, and then maybe we'll think about going out and seeking his kingdom and seeking his righteousness. That's not the way this works. We've got to stay focused on seeking his righteousness and then let him fill in the gaps. That's the struggle for most of us. So we worry about how, how, what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear. We also worry about how long we're going to live. We do everything in the, in the world trying to. We've got countless diet books, countless self-help books, all trying to help us stay alive longer. Uh, everybody wants it, right? My wife wants me to eat salad so that I'll live longer. Uh, my family wants me to exercise so that, you know, I take care of myself so that I can exist longer on the earth. And all those things are important and we should do those. But moderation, not worry, should drive us. It shouldn't be the, the notion that I have to keep healthy in order to live that drives us and keeps us going. It should be I need to do more for the kingdom and his righteousness so that I can continue to do those things and I have less worry about the things that are temporal. 
worrying about how long we should live. Listen to this. This is Job 14, 1 through 5. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth as, as a shadow and continueth not. And dost thou open thine eyes upon such a one and bringest me into judgment with thee? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean thing? Not one. Seeing his days are determined and the number of his months are with thee, thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. We will only live as long as God allows, whatever that looks like. Now, sure, choices we make can shorten that, but it's still determined. God knew from the beginning uh, when we were going to uh, live and how long that's going to be. The third point this morning, worry's wrong because of our faith. Now, worry's wrong, and I'm going to give you all three points real quick here again. Worry's wrong because of who our master is, Jesus Christ. Worry's wrong because of who our father is, God above. And worry's wrong because of our faith. Our faith is confidence in the trustworthiness of God. If you look in our passage here, it says in verse 30, it says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? You see, our struggle is with faith. We, we don't always see it. We don't always see God meeting our needs. What we have to understand is that our needs are going to be met His way, in His timing, not in our own. I remember just back a few weeks ago looking for work and trying to find a place where, where I could get in and, and, and feed my family and take care of things. And I was so worried that I wasn't going to get a position anywhere and that I was going to have to struggle and, and scrimp by and it was going to be hard. And, and it still is. We're still catching up. But God is faithful. And at the last moment, right before everything was falling apart, God gave me a job. I, it saddens me how weak I actually was in my faith. So let me encourage you, when the, when the bleak time comes, when the hardship comes, strive a little farther, strive a little more, and reach out in faith and let God do His work. First things first, if you want to have that faith, Seek his kingdom. That's what the Bible says in verse 31. Listen to it. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after these things do all the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. Listen to it. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Our problem is, is we rarely seek his kingdom first. It usually is something else. It's usually an afterthought. Seeking his kingdom means to seek his rule and his will and his authority. Acts 20 and 24 says, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Seeking out to do his will above all is the primary thing. Now, seeking just his righteousness or just his kingdom is not enough. So how about seeking his righteousness as well? That means clean living. That means living according to scripture. We want to, we want to have and seek after the kingdom of God. You've got to live like you're in the kingdom of God. And what does that mean? That's practical holiness. That's righteousness. Now here's the thing. We are given his righteousness at salvation. But we're not trying to maintain righteousness by doing the works. We are in righteousness and doing the works because of it. See, righteousness is a, is a self-awareness of what God has already done. We're seeking to do His righteousness. I'm actively looking for the things that contain or are about His righteousness. 
Let me give you some scripture to help you with this. Romans 12, 2 says, And be not conformed to this world. That's our biggest problem, why we worry. We let CNN, NBC, and all these other places and media tell us how we ought to be conformed to. And they're thinking we should be afraid. We should be fearful. But God has not given us the spirit of fear. No. He's given us much more. Listen to this passage in Romans. Romans 12, 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You want to live righteously? How about pouring yourself into the Word of God and saying, I'm going to follow the dictates of Scripture rather than the dictates of men. Philippians 3.12 is very similar. This is the Apostle Paul, and he describes what it's like to live the Christian life. He says, Not as though I'd already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. See, he's understood something. He's understood that his righteousness is found in the perfection of Jesus Christ. And he hasn't already attained it. Uh, it's his because of righteousness, but it's not something he's working to maintain. But listen to what he says he's doing. Uh, I'll read it to you like this. Here's what it says. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are past and reaching forth to, the, to those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Here's what he says. I can't be perfect. I can't attain it here in this physical body, but I am pressing forward, trying to reach out, striving for and reaching for the prize of the high calling. It's real simple. I want to be conformed to the image of Christ. How do I get there? I look into His Word and find that source of help for me that I might grab a hold of it and strive and press forward so that I might reach it. It's the striving. It's not in perfection. You won't get there on this side of heaven, but you're striving for it. You want to walk towards it. So every day I'm closer to the Lord than I was the day before. Right? And the last thing in this section I want to talk about is and all these things should be added. See, we're seeking uh, His kingdom first, and we're seeking righteousness, His righteousness, and now we're seeking and looking for all these things to be added. This is where patience comes in. Now, faith works with patience, right? That's what we understand from Scripture. So in our faith, in our, in our going out and seeking His kingdom, and in our seeking of His righteousness, then He begins to backfill. Now, backfilling is important. We begin to get those things that we need, now, it doesn't say we're going to get everything we want. I want hair again, right? I would like to lose a little more weight. Right? I would like all those things. But those aren't needful, necessarily. They could be added, but they're not necessarily added. So we're looking for all the things that shall be added. The things that we need to eat, basic necessities, things we need to wear. Those things are taken care of. God is going to make sure of that. If we're seeking His righteousness, we're seeking His kingdom, He's going to make sure we're, we're fed and we're clothed. Basic necessities, right? <clears throat> All these things should be added. Philippians 4, 6. I love this passage of Scripture because you get a, a glimpse into what it really looks like to have the peace of God. Here's what it says. In verse 6 it says, Be careful for nothing or worry for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which all, passes all understanding, shall keep your heart and your mind, your heart and your mind, through Christ Jesus. So here's how that works. Our faith in the, in the, and trust in Jesus Christ 
then brings us to this place where we have the peace of God and He keeps our hearts and He keeps our minds so that we might have peace. We might have that uh, through Jesus. That's the whole point. Our faith in Jesus then becomes the springboard by which we may go out into the world and spread the gospel. Your neighbors are hurting because of the coronavirus. Your neighbors are hurting because they've lost their jobs. Your neighbors are hurting because they don't have eggs. They don't have toilet paper. They don't have those things that they think that they have to have. Well, the one thing that they have to have in order to have life eternal is Jesus Christ. Our awesome responsibility then comes to have faith in Jesus. The faith in Jesus allows us to go out and seek His kingdom, allows us to go out and seek His righteousness. And then He begins to backfill all those pieces that are going to be added unto us. Now, fourthly today, worry is wrong because of where our future lies. See, our struggle is kind of centric around this life. We think everything is about here and now. And while we live in the moment, that's great, and, and we, we have that experience of this world, we have a future in heaven to come. The future then t dictates to us how we ought to behave ourselves in this world. If worry is going to be wrong because of who the Father is, if worry is going to be wrong because of who Jesus Christ is, if worry is going to be wrong because of our faith, worry is also wrong because of our future. Our future is, is yet to come. Listen to this passage from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12. It says that, that we, should know, uh, we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of His glory. Now I'm going to pause here for a second. You need to kind of grab a hold of what that's saying. He's saying, because of our faith in Jesus Christ that we just talked about, our future is secure because of the Spirit of God who sealed us with that Holy Spirit of, of sealing right there. We're sealed as His child until He comes back to get us. I love the earnest expectation portion. That's where we grab a hold and we begin to understand this is our hope and glory. We see an earnest expectation of everything that's going on around us. We, we see salvation wrought in us and sanctification working in us. And now we see the next one, glorification, taking over as we depart this world and go into the next. We're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And He's coming back. It says that specific, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. He purchased us with His blood, and He's coming back to get what He had left here. I love verse 15 with this. It goes right into it. It says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. You see, Paul was praying ahead of them. He was praying for them to, to grab a hold and understand what is coming, that they might have wisdom and discernment and those things that they are needful of in this life to press on till the next life comes. 
And lastly, I'm just give you a couple of scriptures to back this up. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Thy Lord, the Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. And lastly, Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4. Thou will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because He trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Our purpose, our promise, is that He is going to be here for us. Seek His kingdom, seek His righteousness, and all these things should be given unto you. Worry is overcome by the Spirit of our God and our faith in Him. My hope for you this morning is that you will come to know Jesus Christ in a more personal way. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, spread that hope to others around you. Because out here in this world, this world's not giving us hope. This world's giving us doom and gloom. But we are children of hope. Be a child of hope today. Will you pray with me one more time? Father, thank you for the day and thank you for this message you've given us. Lord, I ask you to help us this morning as we look around us and we see those hurting around us. We may reach out in our faith, helping them to overcome. Lord, help us to have a mouth that has Christ on our lips and peace in our hearts that we can share with others. Help us to overcome the worries of this world. Seek your kingdom first. Seek your righteousness first. And then let you do your work strengthening our faith behind. We give you all the glory today. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. God bless.